Hello, listeners. Hello, listeners. We surprised you there. Welcome back, listeners, and welcome to uh, Miles Davis' Kind of Blue. Sorry, welcome to, what are we called again? A tedious Argument. A Tedious Argument. Uh, My name's Neil Allen. I'm Jamie Wilkinson. And this is A Tedious Argument, uh, and that was was Miles Davis with the uh, famously titled So What? Exactly. What now? Okay, um, welcome back. It's been. Uh, it has it, been a while. It feels, it feels like it's it, been a while. It's it feels been, like a long time. Has it been a long time, or is it? Just... It well, I mean, we did say this was a monthly podcast, uh, and, um, it, and it has been two months. So I guess it's uh, now a bi-monthly or a, yeah, bi-monthly. Is it bi-monthly or? A... Well, no, because I think we might. We've got quite a lot to say this week, so we might record another one next week. So we'll go back to monthly. And what's bi bi biannual or biennial? Which is which? I go for biannual. No, but which is which? What are they? Well, so one of them is once every two years, once is twice a year. But mm. nobody knows. So that's the beauty of the English language. You can confuse. Is it? Does nobody know because knowledge is, is old-fashioned? Yeah, you need knowledge. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's a fair point. Um, so, Jamie, what, yeah. why, why did we miss a month, I presume? We did miss a month. Was, it was the... Um... It's, it, it's, busy time. it's a busy time of the year. It's sort of getting IB... Getting uh, seniors through IB. Yeah. Um, Apologies to our listeners who are famously loyal and uh, yes. keen to keen to tune in. There've been a few listeners, who I think, have been waking up at sort of five thirty a.m., running downstairs like on a Christmas morning, yeah. opening their laptop, turning it on, and hoping for episode five. Yeah. And being very disappointed it's not there. I've, I've had a few complaints, actually. A few listeners have said, where's episode five? Did they run downstairs and, and be more disappointed to find an old man in a <laughs> loosely fitting red suit? Um, yeah, they don't want that guy. No. Even though it's no. February. Who are you? Yeah. you know, and get how, out. And how did you get in? And what have you done with Tedious Argument episode five? <laughs> yeah, and what did you do with a cat? Uh, and so... Um, so apologies, listeners. Okay, but we, but part of the reason no, we got we, we got no, fairly valid reasons. No, part of the reason we had we had a we had a, a midterm break and not the uh, famous poem by Shane Rossini. <laughs> good poem uh, by Shane Rossini. Very term good break. poem. Great four poem. foot, four foot. Uh, I haven't taught it for it, a while. What was it? A four foot brew, one for each year, or four foot coffee, one for each year of his life, or something. Something like that. Yeah. yeah very very powerful. Great stuff. poem. James Heaney. For our, yeah, for our English friends. Is that is is, is it not Seamus? She, well, she, Seamus is the the Irish word for James. Do, do, do Irish do the Irish have? Yeah, they've got a sort of translated version yeah, of English Sean, words. Because Sean is John. <laughs> Why am I only just hearing about this now? That's true. That's true. I work with Miss Bread and Miss White. Spanish Mr. White for the Mr. Spanish. Jesus is clearly our Lord uh, Jesus. I had no idea they spoke a different language. No, they do. They, they love it. I thought Seamus was just Seamus. What came, for, what came first, Seamus or James? Rene or they Renata? Sound, they sound totally unrelated to me. No. It's like in French, Pierre or Peter. Yeah, what came first, the rock or a hard place? <laughs> Pierre is also Peter. <laughs> so tell, tell, <laughs> tell me, um, Jamie, so what did you get up to in the, in the half-time um, hall? Well, I, th- I made the, the mistake of, of, of organising a, a wedding. So Who's, whose wedding? Mine. Your wedding? <laughs> is it, was, it, was it the mistake of organising a wedding or was it the already the fear mm-hmm. that the wedding is a mistake? No, it, well, when I talk about mistake, I talk about Miss Haynes made a mistake in allowing me to organise a wedding for her hmm. and I. And presumably allowing <laughs> you to marry her. Yeah, well, that was the biggest mistake. Yeah. First and last mistake. Because I know you. <laughs> well, she doesn't yet. Yeah, okay, good, so, good. Look. I know you and I definitely wouldn't marry you. Yeah. No, no, but I, I, I'd stay well clear of me. Good. Um, so tell me about the organisation. So organisation of wedding, there's a few difficult things. Um, 
you know so you want a photographer and you want a dj and you speak to people and they say okay yeah we can do it for you it's about 100 euros an hour and think, is, okay, is, we'll, we'll is, have a really short wedding is, couple... jack, is jack djing i would love jack to dj but i'm not sure that auntie carol and uh, grandma barbara are going to get down to jack's tunes who are they my, oh. my my auntie and my oh, grandma. Right. Who else would they be? Okay, but like, are yeah, they invited? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Unlike poor Uncle Bob. Unlike you. Well, I would be very honoured if if Jack, as long as Jack's got the Bee Gees, yeah, bit of Sinatra. Uh, I love rock and roll. <laughs> I love rock and roll. <laughs> Put another tune on the jukebox, baby. Um, no, I, I would have great faith in in Jack to to whip the dance floor into a frenzy. Although yeah. it's a pretty tough crowd. Yeah. What, what else is... Tell, tell me a bit more about your wedding. <laughs> I know where this is going. So, but look, first thing, I was going to say that why is it that DJs who claim to cost 100 euros an hour, you know, we, we, we're, I'm close to signing the contract. Okay, DJ, um, DJ Ratty M, uh, 100 euros an hour, you're very welcome here. And then I tell him it's for a wedding and he puts it up to 1,000 euros an hour. That's what's happened a couple of times. Photographers as well. Are you a photographer? Yes. Can I have you for the day? Yes, 500 euros. Okay, it's for a wedding. Uh, 5,000 euros. No. Nine. Yeah, yeah. It's really? what it's something. They, yeah, they suddenly increase it by like 5,000%. But his... Math studies. Math studies. Oh, okay. Uh, it was a hyperbole. <laughs> but okay, but here's the thing, right? I don't understand how you spend months and months as a, as a, as a music band practicing to play songs like the mm. like the original and you get paid well anywhere between nothing and a burger yeah right and you you stand at the front and make no pretense about the fact that you are just pressing play <laughs> of the original version of that song and you charge a thousand euros how does that work what what the, we, 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 what we, <laughs> We're in the wrong profession. Hey, come on, we're the, in the wrong profession. I didn't know she was a nun. Well, look, I think I think we I think we should ask Jack. So I think there's there's more and Rajiv more. Um, we should these guys are DJs. We should ask them. There's more that goes into DJing apparently. Is there? My understanding of DJing is that you play songs, but but I think you have to gauge the you have to gauge the reaction of your audience. You've got to line up the songs so they sort of blend seamlessly into each other. Um, what I decided is I wasn't going to get a DJ at all because they're too expensive. I'm just going to press play on my Spotify playlist. Yeah. Even though I have the free version of Spotify, so there will be adverts every five songs. <laughs> but, but, but I think that would be quite healthy for Auntie Carol. And, see, see uh, my, my, my mate my Luke Fletcher, who's I believe a Tedious Argument fan, uh, in the sense he that he listened to an episode... If not, he should be. Uh, and if not, he should be. He said... We, we actually used to DJ at the uh, university... Uh, um, what's it called? Uh, JC, JCR? The uh, Junior uh, Corn Room. That was the posh university. Was, was it? Is that, yeah. that was po- well, yeah. I mean, we were intellectual yeah. and we, we, we're evidence of intellectual success, obviously, <laughs> an academic uh, hierarchy. But um, we used to play, we used to play this, uh, uh, the occasional sort of, it became an, a night, you know, mm. you play for about three hours and a couple of people asked us to play their 21st and we'd be playing some Stone Roses and some Stevie Ooh. Wonder and it was good That's stuff. Good. Oh, I'd show for that. But then the yeah. problem is we, we'd, we'd have a few drinks while we were playing and then suddenly people would say, and my mate was very strict on, Luke would say, we're only playing this. And I would get seduced by people saying to me, come on, come, come on, just, ju- just finish with American Pie. And, yeah. and he'd say, no, we finished with the full version of I Am The Resurrection, Stone Roses. Yeah, what else did you finish all, with? All 11 minutes. Then one time I actually minimised the instrumental, the seven-minute instrumental. The Johnny, the incredible Johnny Marr guitar solo. Yeah, at the end. yeah, and put on 
uh, American, American Pie. You catered for the masses. Yeah, and it was it was it was basically like my Brexit referendum. Yeah, <laughs> you populist. Yeah, was, you massive was, populist. It was my it was my Trump moment, <laughs> and I and I said I said this is what the people want. The people and, have spoken. Yeah, and I, the and I, the ill-informed, yeah. ill-advised people have spoken. And it was only four minutes into our scratch version of the CD that I realised that the the masses were idiots, <laughs> uh, and I should and I should have I should have stuck with my elitist. Uh, yeah, exactly. Neoliberal yeah. perspective. Yeah, you, no, you should have done a need. Um, so you were a DJ. That's hard. Hard to. It's, it, 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 it's hard to call it. <laughs> I, I think it's probably you press play on some tunes that you story. unanimously like. No, that's not that's not been my strength. But I mean, are you are you just having a DJ? You <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get to that in a minute. But um, well, so um, so I think we'll press play on Spotify. That's fine for me. Um, yeah, I, I played in a band at university, and I was thinking of, re- of reuniting the band. Yeah, what are they called? We're called the Bengal Tiger Band. Racist. Well, yeah, the singer was Indian. It's, it's oh. Rahul Ghosh. <laughs> the singer was... So it was... Well, the singer was actually a He was actually Indian. No, he was actually <laughs> right, Indian. Okay. Um, <laughs> the Bengal Tiger Band. Um, and we did an awesome version of Ain't No Sunshine, me on guitar, my oh, friend really? Rahul singing. Um, but, but legend has it that I got so carried away by the guitar solo that he went up to get a drink mid-solo and I hadn't even noticed. He went to get a drink at the bar, came back and I was still noodling away on the guitar. Ironically, at the bar he was saying, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'll, I'll have a doodle. Yeah. Um, anyway, so no, look, the big problem with the wedding is basically that we really want this band to play. Yeah. And the the band are being pretty difficult and kind of rock star Mariah Carey about it, and they're yeah. so they, they they're laying down various ultimatums like, hey, you better you better have the wedding on the on the twenty fourth of June, otherwise we're not going to be there. Yeah. So that took a lot of. Um, yeah. You know, I had to tell various aunties and uncles that, you know, it's going to be June. I know you can't come and that's not ideal for you. But the most important thing is that that band can play. And that band, sadly, is your band. Mr. <laughs> Fraser and the Showercaps will be playing at our wedding, which it pains me to say because, it, you know, I know my parents, are, in fact, I'm pretty sure Miss Hayden's parents said, look, no one wants a bad band at a wedding. No. Like, we'll, no. We'll, no, give no. You, we'll give you money to pay for a good no, band. That's right. And we said, no. Phrase in the shower caps are they're well meaning. <laughs> they are. I'm not even sure they're well meaning, to be honest. Um, but I think what what's particularly fascinating that you'd basically organised your wedding around Phrase and Shower Caps availability is that then I still have the cheek to say, to be honest, uh, Jamie, I'm I'm kind of involved in the the Brussels Shakespeare Society's performance of Henry the Fourth for, for tedious, <laughs> of course you are, for tedious argument fans, nineteenth uh, to twenty fourth of June in uh, Excel. Um, get your tickets. Uh, as soon as they become available. Yeah. I, I'd say just don't encourage him. Don't go. Just no. you, you don't. I think you should go. I'm actually playing the part. I'm, I've got two parts. Uh, which, which <laughs> it must be a really big which one. Which immediately <laughs> suggests they're not the, they're not, they're not lead. Um, I'm Mortimer, who interestingly um, should have been the king. Henry the, Fourth, Henry the Fourth sort of stole the crown from, really? from its rightful heir, which was, uh, which was Mortimer, my character. This sounds um, like a desperate attempt to make your uh, role sound important. It, it, it's true. And my, my, my lesser character, who ironically <laughs> has more lines, is a guy called Sir Richard Vernon, who seems One weird. of the classic Shakespeare characters. He seems, he seems weirdly infatuated with Prince, Prince Harry, who is, uh, <laughs> who is going to become Henry V. Um, and one of my favourite lines is, I saw young Harry with his beaver on. 
<laughs> so uh, Harry's Beaver is my main claim to fame in the play. Well, that's, I mean, I'm pretty sure I've heard that Tom Cruise has always aspired for the role of Richard Vernon. Richard, Sir, Sir Richard Vernon. <laughs> Sir Richard yeah, Vernon. Thank you, yeah, sorry, sorry. So, so I'm, very, I'm very excited about yeah. Henry the Fourth, and, anyway, and, and, and I'm looking forward to our, our listeners. So for, for Neil Allen fans, go along to the <laughs> to the to the Excel. What is it? Excel Shakespeare Company. <laughs> and for Jamie Wilkinson family, go to his wedding. <laughs> for my family I hope you come to my wedding which we can't afford a venue so it'll probably be at my apartment on the little terrace which I'm not sure I can fit on um, but there'll be some kind of wedding on there um, and for yeah um, but anyway, anyway good times but I'm glad that, that you can I'm glad that basically we planned the whole wedding around uh, yeah. <laughs> around your band well I think it's I think it's, it's gratitude for me allowing you to be on my podcast <laughs> for six months I was so, so grateful uh, you let me speak on tedious <laughs> argument tedious argument I thought I should let you play at my wedding. No, you're very welcome. Um, uh, I'm not going to talk about my my holiday because uh, oh, we, we want to. No, we want to get into the, oh, yeah, big, we want to get into the big issues. Um, yeah. I, I was I, I went to a man in the holiday where I used to live, except I didn't go because um, I had passport issues. Um, uh, apparently, you meant to check that your passport's still valid before you go. So you are. Um, no. Uh, apart from a bit of trivia, uh, Spain is the only country in the EU where you can travel with an out-of-date passport as long as it's <laughs> as long as it's out-of-date, uh, as long as it's expired within six months. Because I made that mistake. Yeah. I'm like that with yogurt. <laughs> to be honest, I, I look at it as long as it's within six months, I'll, I'll give it a go. No matter how green uh, it is, <laughs> just right. dig in. Well, like someone tells me that cheese is meant to go green. It is, so, yeah. Um, so yogurt. And Bob is quite literally. So, so, so your feet. Um, your telegrams now. Oh, wow. already there. Ja- Jamie, uh, I've got a telegram yeah. here <clears throat> from um, Tony Morrison. That's to- oh, that's, legend. That's Tony with one eye. <laughs> sure. Tony Morrison, the uh, Nobel Prize winning uh, sure two eyes, literary author. She big. says, and it's it, it's a, <coughs> it's a little bit cryptic as all of these telegrams are, and I'm always surprised they can get in touch with us based on our. Uh, Largely out of date, a tedious argument Twitter feed. But she's written and said, Make up a story. For our sake and yours, forget your name in the street. Tell us what the world has been to you in the dark places and in the light. Don't tell us what to believe, what to fear. Show us belief's wide skirt and the stitch that unravels fear's call. Ooh, wow. But a, a call is... Um, I never even know what a call is because there's a Duffy poem about a call, isn't it? It's the, yeah. the little membrane that... Babies are born with on their heads. Yeah, why, why did you even... Why, I mean, Sorry, why, why would you know that? Why? Well, I mean, because... Of the of, if you're an English you have very limited knowledge, but what part of knowledge is about a call? Does, it, does, that, does, that, well, does that suggest we learn things from poetry? Oh, that are actually word. useful? What a revelation. <laughs> yeah. We learn useful things from poetry. Yeah, it's not all just about the feelings. No. It's a very practical information. No. I happen to know what a call is. And we don't only, le- only learn things from the, the conveyor belt of commodified society, but more of well, that later. True, more of that later. Um, <laughs> um, my my uh, telegram is from Mr. Jim Jarmusch, uh, movie director. <clears throat> um, can't even think what he's famous for now, other than sort of de- um, Dead Man, Johnny Depp. Jim Jarmusch says... Um, he urges us, he says, we're all artists and we should steal from anywhere that resonates with inspiration or fuels our imagination. He says, devour old films, new films, music, books, paintings, photographs, poems, dreams, random conversations, architecture, bridges, street signs, trees, clouds, 
Bodies of water, light and shadows select only things to steal from that speak directly to your soul. If you do this, your work will be authentic. Steal from the world around you. Mm. That's what Jim Jarmusch says. Steal from anything. Steal from clouds. I like that idea. Look, I guess, <clears throat> I guess this is this is going to build us towards what we're what we're going to be talking about today. Because um, I guess there's two inspirations be- behind today's pod. Um, it's been a while. We, we, yeah, been we, a while. We've uh, we were pondering uh, as one does. Pottering as we were pottering and pondering. Uh, about what what we should what we should pod about uh, this this month is it a verb? Um, what we should conference over? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we we thought, and we umdenard, and we were having a conversation. I think a week ago with uh, Christina Venteroni. Yep. Viva Venteroni, <laughs> and uh, the sequel to Viva Vendetta, <laughs> and uh, Emma Zastrasen. Z for Zestrasen doesn't quite have the ring to it. No, it doesn't work as well. But it 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 does it does actually have something to do with the fact that I have a class of students. Yeah. Who I think the the seventh out of thirteen on the registers name begins with V. Really? Yeah, it's extraordinary. That's a fascinating class. No, no, that's that's think of the mathematical possibilities for that class. Well, think of the uh, points in Scrabble. Oh, available. That would be a high scoring class. Yeah. In fact, can we at some point can we do a um, a, 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 a tedious argument Scrabble competition where the only words you can play are names of students? That would be that would be a. Uh, it's possible. A fascinating. I, I play online Scrabble. I know you do, and I think it's a bit weird. Do you know? Do you know how I play with? You play with your your mate out in uh, Hungary or wherever he <laughs> oh, is. Do you know? Do you remember his name? Yeah. Um, Ball chap, um. <laughs> big tedious argument fan. He is a big, yeah, he is a big fan. I met him once. He's a good chap. I liked him a lot. Yeah, he'd be um, glad to hear you call him a ball <laughs> chap. I say that because I'm rapidly balding as well, so I'm just sort of, I'm not using it pejoratively. My mate Dave. Yeah, exactly. You're, everyone's got a mate called Dave. <laughs> yeah, he's my mate Dave, and Dave, Dave and I play scrabble. And Dave, Dave's actually a big, big, big tedious argument. In fact, your mate Dave, who's my mate organising my stag do? What's his name? Dave. <laughs> Because it is. Dave, Everyone's best mate is called and, Dave. And and what did uh, Trigger call Rodney in Moses? Uh, <laughs> Dave. Dave. There you go. So he um he Dave, Dave is, is both a Scrabble expert and a big tedious argument fan. He, he you know he's he's a he's a big critic of the work. Uh, in the sense in a good way. Yeah, well, in the sense that he says it's rubbish. <laughs> try harder. Um, and uh, which I, I totally agree with. Which I respect. <laughs> And uh, no, but anyway, we we were sitting there. We were doing some uh, we were doing some uh, essay work with uh, Emma and Christina, and they were saying, uh, <clears throat> we, "We know we, we harmlessly joked. Have, have you enjoyed the episode of the Tedious Argument?" Clearly, hadn't listened to any. No, no, I mean, well, there was no there, there was no, no attempt to disguise that. No, no, they, they just, I was quite hurt because I taught Christina in tenth grade, so I thought maybe she would have been inspired in tenth grade. But... She said to me, "She learned nothing in tenth." <laughs> uh, which was a shame. But this, I think, that year I gave them my, my best stuff. Yeah. You've 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 declined <laughs> since then, which is a shame. But um, and um, and we said, uh, you know, you need to, you need to listen to the pod, and we were we were talking about what we should do, and they said, and you said we should do a revision pod, which I yeah. cursed you for, and yeah. and uh, Emma said, well, I'd listen to that. Yeah, you know, serious student. Well, she would. Yeah, listen, listen to a revision Sensible pod. Girl. So so in fact, we decided to go down this line, uh, of. A 
Your topic of the week now, <laughs> revision pod. Oh, well, you've got another T- name for it. Texts and context. Okay, let's try it again. Your topic of the week now, revision pod. Texts and context. No, sorry. Very aggressive, very aggressive. We want to sound nice. You want to do it again one more time? Topic of the week now. Tech. No, revision pod. Revision pod. The texts and context. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, we'll keep That it. was BBC, yes. It was, yeah. it was. Yeah. And and so this is what this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about <clears throat> um I'm intrigued because I got no idea what Paper two about. for yeah. predominantly Lang and Lit, but I think some ideas will cross over to the literature course. Yeah. Uh, we are but essentially we're gonna talk about why study literature and, and I think this is a fundamental issue and I think we'll we'll pontificate for a bit on this one because why not everyone else does. Um and secondly we will talk about uh the context. Context the importance of context. The importance of context and what context actually is. What it means, yeah. And then thirdly, and this is kind of crucial, um we are not we are not talking about history or social studies or, or you know, as as uh, uh, famous a tedious argument avoid us uh, Paul Binns says um, <laughs> you want why don't you why don't you teach something that actually happened mate <laughs> he's not Australian uh, okay why don't you teach something that actually happened mate <laughs> he's still not Australian, <laughs> he's more Australian. Yeah. Did, did Binns say that yeah, but I think he was joking. I'm not sure. But he said to me... Uh, yeah, no, and, and he's got a point, actually. He because, has. No, because the point is, <laughs> but it, it's, what's it's, the point of studying something that's made is, up? When it's, it's a very important point that none of the characters we talk about, Macbeth, Hamlet, Romeo, Juliet, none of them are real people. Mm. None of them have existed. Or, or, or actually, what, wait, hang on. Hamlet may have existed in the ninth century. No, but yeah, but not, not that not, Hamlet. No, yeah, but not he, he definitely of, never said to be or not to no, be, not but it's just over in the minds of the things prancing, <laughs> procrastinating plonker. Um, Stanley Kowalski exists only in the form of Mr. McGowan, but other than that, it just doesn't exist. Still, oh, <laughs> Ballstar! <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. Um, so yeah, exactly. So so we're going we're going to talk about these these three these two things, and then the third thing, which is exactly that point of, you know, these are constructions, and I we do not think it's mutually exclusive that we can we can benefit from literature. Yeah. The fact that it doesn't exist in the real world in a concrete fashion doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But we yeah. have to talk about it in terms of construction. Yeah. And we have to remember that the thoughts that have created these characters and the thoughts that respond to these characters in the theatre from reading the book, those are very, very real thoughts. Yeah. So we are dealing with some very real subject matter, yeah. even if we're not dealing with a real event. So, so, so here, and, and let's, let's go straight into this, Jamie. When I was 16, 15 maybe, I, I was really good at maths, right? Yeah. I found maths oh, un unbearably easy embarrassing no. embarrassingly easy up until up until A-levels I didn't have to do any work at all and got top grades every time what's 13 times 2.5 uh, really yeah really <laughs> okay 33.5 but, oh, um, but but the, is but, it really but here okay, <laughs> let me think of it <laughs> uh, no it's not actually 32.5 okay. um, but but here's the thing right um, I I fell in love with the lack of reality of literature, if you like. I mean, as soon as I was reading things that created... A, I mean, I, I was always a good reader. I read yeah. a lot I read a lot as a, as a young child, not so much as a teenager, interestingly. Um, but I fell in love with these 
these worlds. I think that C.S. Lewis line, we read to know we're not alone, was very important. I think when I first read Hamlet, um, and, and I didn't really understand, I know I understood Hamlet to some extent, but I really understood his, um, his faking it, if you like. Mm. I, mean, I was a very sort of self-conscious teenager. And I, this idea that someone else out there who just fakes mm. what they think and what they feel and, you know, because they, they, they overthink everything. And, and there, was, there was elements of that, but it was, it was more just suddenly those words from literature that, that you, could, you could experiment with and the line is, let's use them in the nightclubs of Brussels. But yeah. joking aside, I bloody love it <clears throat> if people were using those, oh, no, those lines course, in the nightclubs of Brussels. Because cause th- th- those words still mean something to me. Yeah. Um, no, of, of course. And, and it's... Um, no, no, I totally agree. And, and I took a class recently where we looked at what defines us as human beings. And I think most people agree that we're defined by our physiology, so our physical makeup our upbringing or cultural background and the various experiences that happen to us. So the sort of um, idiosyncratic things that happen to us as individuals. And we never really accept that actually, okay, that's what shapes us, but how do we present that to other people? How we present that to other people is all through language and words. Mm. And it's a, it's a scary thought, but it's quite possible that the way we are seen is sort of 10% what we look like. Thank God. Mm. And 90% what we, what we say and then and our words really define who we are. I told my TOK class as well about a month ago um, when I heard some bad language in the class that m- my father took a beating because he refused to swear. My father moved up and down the country and went to a rough school in um, in London. And on his first day, some, some bullies were on the, on, the, on the gate on the way in and they said to him, well, who are you? And he said, oh, I'm new. I've come down from Yorkshire and he had a strange accent. Everything. And they said, what's the rudest word you know? And th- these kids were 11 or 12 years old. He said, well, I'm not going to share it with you. And he said, if you don't tell us the rudest word you know, we're going to beat you up. And my, my father refused to say a rude word because he yeah. thought it defined him as a person. And he took a beating, went home with a black eye on his first day from, from school. And his mum said, I'm proud of you. Yeah, don't, don't give them a rude word because mm. we're defined by the words we use. But, and it's also, it, but it's also that thing where... I think I think I, I made up a definition of, of of literature, which is like real life, but with more poetry or something mm. like that. You know, where yeah. you actually take literature is real life because because it's it, it's stories that are imagined by real people, mm. um, but with with the language bringing more art to it. But mm. even little things. I was listening to an old Oasis song today, just 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 today, and I, I don't know. I suddenly had this urge to listen to. An album from twenty years ago. Definitely, maybe. Uh, it wasn't. It was actually the the week album, the third album, the one they made uh, a big song and dance out of. And sure as a giant. Be here now. Oh, be here now. Yeah. They made a big song and dance out of it. They're thinking they were becoming the new Beatles or yeah. whatever. And, and it was it was a bit. Of a, it wasn't a very good album, but there was a song in there, and it's this great line. It's almost that that same story from the opposite opposite mm. side. It says, "Damn my education! I can't find the words to say all these yeah. all these." Um, something in my mind all these feelings in my mind or thoughts in my mind or something yeah. damn my education the idea that that if I'd have had a decent education I would have the language to mm. understand my feelings mm. that's a that's, that's Orwellian I mean, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, a that's a big idea fascinating idea and, and, I, and I just think this 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 notion of literature is it's not just literature education and understanding and everything 
it is is just a value and a virtue in its mm. own right. We make a mistake by trying to actually commodify it into having value outside of that. Mm. It is just a value and a virtue, and it shouldn't be mm. justified in any other way. Yeah, I think at the moment when we're dealing with seniors and IB students who stress about assessments, and I think look, the assessments are hugely important, and luckily we do a course like the IB, which is full of fantastic assessments. And, you know, regardless of what happens in in your exam papers, being able to express things and read your own emotions and read situations and so on and express them and articulate them. That, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a hell of a skill in itself. And that's, and I'm sure we've both been in that situation where, you know, words can be very comforting, but the right words at the right time, you know, and, and, and that's something that we all have the potential to do that, that, I think we'd both say we wouldn't be English teachers if we didn't think words were important. First point we're going to consider, Jamie, is context. Um, so where do we start? Should we start with what it is or what it isn't? Well, I think we need to start. We need to we need to combine the two, like yin and yang. Yeah. So what what it is? Okay. What what it is 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 the background to the production of the text mm. that in some ways influences the text because um, no man writes in a vacuum. True. Yeah. No man reads in a vacuum either. No which, man is an island. No um, man in the 1950s. No man uses a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice. No, uh, like no man or woman, because we're all. Uh, um, um, but I think context of publication and context of reception as well are quite because occasionally sure. there's a slight difference, isn't there? That, yeah, but that's but but I think for the purpose of this, we're talking. We're definitely talking for paper two specifically about context of writer. Yeah, true. Um, Although I had a question in class when um, Therese Rakan being received, I think Le Figaro newspaper spoke about Zola's piece as being a pool of filth and blood. Mm. And a student, you know, I was explaining this and a student wasn't taking any notes. I said, come on, get this down. And she, and she said, well, is that context? Because it's not, that's not what shaped the writer. I thought, well, yeah, that's a good point. But actually, but that's context of publication, which is so soon after. The well, it depends. Yeah, it's that's slightly like, different because actually, that that depends how you use it. Okay, that could be the context in which the writer. You know, that gives us some insight into the context in which the writer mm. wrote the work. Yeah, if um, I write something sort of um, people, out of the ordinary. Yeah. yeah, people found it to be pornography. Yeah, which is uh, why, which is, which is why I teach it. Which is what, one of the reasons I read it, and I felt thoroughly disappointed. Um, but uh, you know, especially in the days of the internet, I mean, we, yeah. we can all subscribe to something far racier than Teresa Rakan. Not that we're advocating that kind of thing. No, uh, if anything, discouraging it by mentioning it through a humorous tone. Is that how that works? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So context of writers. So, um, so take, let's take for example V for Vendetta, um, which I'm doing as one of my texts. Are you doing it? I'm going, I'm going to do it. Although we're a little bit behind, so we have approximately seven and a half minutes to complete that. I was text. going to say we are recording sort of an hour and a half before the exams. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, it will. It will be done. Okay, it will be done. So, so, so here's the thing. Right. Lots of people want to, lots of people half understand the idea of context and confuse it with conceptual message. So they say things like, um, I've mentioned totalitarianism, mm. I've mentioned sort of authoritarian control, therefore I'm dealing with context. You're not. Yeah. You're not. They're, they're actually conceptual outcomes. If you are doing that, the context of V for Vendetta would be, an obvious context would be the allusion to Guy Fawkes. That's, yeah. a, that's a real yeah. thing. It's not strictly the context of production, though. It's a real-world thing that was being alluded to. And that text is full of allusions, of course, to yeah. real-world things. Well, I think we can. the first thing we can say about context is 
the point we make over and over again in class, I know, is that the text that we read, these characters are not real. Yeah. V was not real. Laurent and his bull neck, neither of them were real in no. uh, Therese Rican. Stanley Kowalski is not real. The bull neck was real. real. <laughs> <Interestingly>. <laughs> Only Laurent wasn't. There are these characters. It was a dehumanized <laughs> dehumanized neck. It was. It was just. A, it was a neck out of context. Yeah. Today I gave him the activity I told you about of um, design a cover for Therese Rican, and two students just drew a neck. <laughs> Which I thought would be a great cover. I'd buy that book. Can you, can, it, it, is it still obvious that it's a neck? No, it could have been anything. Has, all, it got, has it got a hickey on it? <laughs> it could, it's got the bite, but it could also have been the River Seine. We couldn't tell. It was just sort of too, <laughs> brilliant, but multi purpose symbol. A, a, a hickey from Kaniki. Um, <laughs> okay, so. so um, well, hang on, wait, wait. I, I, what was I saying? I was never an important point. Um, well, let's start by saying context is real world content in a literary text is not real world none of these things are real well yeah except that i can understand the confusion because then kids say well look, i thought you were telling us that literature although fiction can you know gives us insight into the real world and we say by universal themes and concepts yeah right so you say well that, if that's a un- if totalitarianism is a universal concept mm. and totalitarianism is bad is a universal theme yeah. right then why isn't that context yeah uh, because it's real world. Okay. The, real, the real world thing's important, but it can be slightly misleading. It's got to be something that in some way has influenced the writing of the work. Yeah. And it's better still if it's, if it's specifically mentioned in the work. So let's, let's take V, for example. It's quite clear that V was written... Well, V was written during the Cold War. Yeah. Um, it was written in the 80s. Okay, the, the Cold War was perhaps on its, sort of, in its yeah. final legs. And may, but the nuclear threat was still high. Probably not even as high as today, but it wasn't, you know, Cuban yeah. Missile Crisis. But the idea that a novel is produced that is like a post-nuclear dystopia mm. has something to do with the context yeah, of exactly, production. Yeah. The fact that it was that there's that whole issue that V is probably homosexual, and that's yeah. why he was in a concentration camp and everything yeah. else. Um, now, Thatcher's Britain, Thatcher's government did increase laws yeah, against, against homosexual. homosexuality. Yeah. 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 So in a school, we couldn't, we couldn't say anything that, made it, that had any suggestion that we were being even acceptant of homosexuality yeah. as yeah. teachers, otherwise you'd be yeah, in prison. Yeah. You, know? I think it was, you were not allowed to normalise it or something. Was it article was it? something or other? Yeah, something was um, but So these are contextual points. And also, the great thing about that text, along with, with several others, is that there's an opening preface where Moore and Lloyd sort of outline their inspiration and I think um, uh, David Lloyd talks about um, Thatcher's riot police with you know the, the horses with the, the blinkers on and the and the, the vans with blacked out windows and cameras on top saying this looks like something dystopian which then goes on to influence the text and the, the text representation of dystopia having one foot in what they saw as Thatcher's Britain yeah I mean I think I think we will I mean please go back to Pod one, episode one, if you want to hear about dystopia and the idea of its connection to the real world. And really, this is an easy context. If, if dystopia is painting a fictional, nightmarish view of the future, mm. then it, it, by definition, is rooted in the real world. Yeah. So I think, I mean, just, I think very quickly, we don't want to dwell on this contextual point. I think we've given a good example there. If we could throw a couple of contextual examples examples yep. of context that you think have influenced the work that you're doing for part three yeah. so that those students on this revision part who want to just listen seize upon it uh, and remember that that would be a good yeah. thing to do I think it would well let's take um, for instance uh, so I'm doing Tesla Campbell doing that now let's go streetcar I did streetcar and of course 
the content of the the text deals with all these interesting themes about sort of uh, culture what happens when two very opposing cultures come together in close confines the this theme of um how human impulses and passions are essentially destructive but the context of that is very much post-war industrialization that in 1947 in america you've got this growing industrial class which is represented by stanley you've got the fading of the old south which is what blanche represents so blanche is of course a fictional character but heavily influenced by tennessee williams's context the world he lived in Um, if you're talking about the old south if you're talking about post-war industrialization then you're talking about context and if you're talking about the 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 new orleans um sort of i think it's the latin quarter they're in which is why there's music constantly there's jazz music constantly being played by they refer to them as infatuated brown fingers, which I'm not sure how I feel about that line. But um, then, of course, this is context as well. Uh, the stuff in the text, the dynamics between Blanche, Stanley, Mitch, and so on, that's all content. I was infatuated by a finger of fudge when I was a child, which is a, a chocolate type bar. of chocolate. Yeah, yeah I remember. The, the, I, you never got much for your money, though. With well, ironically, yeah, you didn't get much, but it didn't cost much money. So. True. Were they 15p? Nine pence back in my oh, day. Back in my day, yeah. What about the curly whirly? Oh, a curly whirly was is a whole different ball game. It is. Um, it's a very long chocolate bar. Very long and chewy and curly. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move. Uh, in, I mean, *Even the Bridge*, much like *Streetcar*, deals with the idea of uh, the United States as this kind of uh, land of land of opportunity in mm. in the 20th century, the first half 20th century. So, you had Italians leaving Italy, particularly Sicily, ending up in in Brooklyn, uh, unable to leave Brooklyn really because they yeah. paid their way and. Um, obviously the concept is the problems of culture in, uh, and immigration in the globalised world um, but the specifics of that is Italian uh, immigration into the United States in the first half of the 20th century immigration or immigration <laughs> every immigration is an immigration yeah. somewhere else um, but uh, I, I just want to throw Death and the Maiden in there that's, yep. uh, that's set in probably Chile it deals with the problems of democracy after dictatorship um, but very specifically uh, we have mention in the play of um, that idea I think it's put as a phrase um, uh, 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 um, presumed pres- dead presumption, Presum- of, presumption death, of death presumption of death yeah um, and suggesting that, of course, that, that the people went missing were never found. And it actually goes on to describe some of the torture techniques yeah. um, that were, were new in that, in that Pinochet regime yeah. uh, and, and, and also that idea of disappearing. So I think trying to get those yeah. things into your analysis to yeah. show understanding yeah, context is important. Yeah. And I think we'll come to that in our next section about where that should go in the essay. But, but I mean, the, the, the assessment criteria is very clear. You must talk about context. You must talk about the historical conditions, the socio-cultural conditions that gave rise to that work. Yeah. And, and I think you know, students will have their own experiences of this on, on, a, on a smaller scale with sort of reading a text message where you've got sort of seven or eight words to say something. so easy to take it out of context. Yeah. I'm sure they've had that experience where you read a message, but you don't know the conditions that led to it. Is this person annoyed with me? Or are they just in an important sort of? They're, they're doing something important. They don't have time to elaborate on their, no, it's their true. thoughts. Um, and, and of course, we we live in a very sort of narcissistic narcissistic age when yeah. when everybody is just sent firing out communication without stopping for a second to think, how is this communication yeah. being received? And, and and yeah, exactly. And I think the the opposite of acknowledging context, i.e., the real world conditions that gave rise to the communication. The opposite of that is to take something literally. 
Yeah. Right. So, so literally, you do not acknowledge any of the factors outside. There's this great YouTube video called um, "If you type type in dogs must be carried," and it's uh, it's dogs a, on campus. <laughs> dogs must be carried uh, on campus. And it's, it, on, on campus. And it's uh, and it's on the London Underground. And uh, there's a sign on London Underground. There's one sign saying uh, tickets must be validated, which applies mm. to everyone. There's another sign saying dogs must be carried. Now, of course, we get the idea that if you have a dog with you, it's best to carry it onto the onto yeah. the onto the metro. However, if you, t- if you take that literally, yeah. dogs must be carried. Quite a lot of people kept walking around carrying Great e- Danes. Everybody must be carrying a dog. Otherwise, yeah. it's the same way that you must be validating tickets. So, of course, we, we acknowledge contextual factors all the time. You must do the same in literature. It doesn't exist in an isolated space. I've, told you, in a real I've told you about my, my experience in, a, in a, um, an old ruined abbey in Yorkshire. Not, I don't think that one's appropriate, is it? No, well, this one. Was oh, it another one? You when got? I walked into the, well, yeah, very good. I walked into the uh, the museum, and on the front of the door it said "guide dogs only allowed," <laughs> so we didn't go in. Because so you weren't a guide dog. A guide dog. Or even in the ISB, <laughs> go and grab one. ISB in the ECC on on one of the windows it says "no balls against the window." <laughs> so that's a true story. No balls against the windows. So Wait, I, what does that mean? All, all I knew <laughs> is that. That stopped me from performing an, an heinous act. So you can't uh, say that. we're going to move on. We're going to move right, on. We're going to move on. That. And the next piece is going to be very, very brief because it's response to question. And look, right. here's the simple thing: everything you say in that essay in paper two must be responding to the question, yeah. and it must be responding in a clear way and an explicit way. So it's perfectly clear all the time how your topic sentence, yeah. how your last sentence of the paragraph, you know, connects. So we have a coherent argument running all the way through. Yeah. You know, let's make sure we get away from any nonsense that says, you know, we can write lots of lovely paragraphs about the books and then as long as we have a bit of the essay that responds to the question. That's absurd. The whole essay should be an argument of some sort in response to the question. Yeah. And and, and I I think I'm going to drop in a, a tip. I think it's worth, even though the IB answer booklet says just write down the question number you're attempting. I think you have to have the question on the page somewhere. Oh, I agree. To- I agree to- to unbelievably. Keep, keep yeah. looking at the keywords of the yeah. question. But I wonder, can they write it at the top in that blank margin, or is that going to be in I, I think they should write I think they write it at the top, just at the top of their answer. Or on their arm somewhere. Just, yeah. You've you, you got to look at that question. and Or put out the three or four keywords from the question. Every paragraph starts and ends with those keywords from the question. I, I think at the very least at the top of the essay. Yeah. yeah at yeah. the top of the yeah, essay. Yeah, so I would, yeah. I'd write it down. I mean, when you go to the next booklet, have your other booklet there so you can see the question at all times. I'm, otherwise... I'm, I'm quite sure as well, examiners don't look at that number. And, and, yeah. they, and they, you know, they, I'm sure they mark essays sometimes without even being 100% sure which question they're answering. Because we've seen yeah, that. Yeah, we've seen yeah that true, true. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. so I think, I agree, I agree. Well, listen, let's move to the most important point, which again, I don't think will take long, but I think it's crucial because we said it so many times, we've repeated it ad nauseum. To the point that it's become background sort of white noise. Um, We don't just say author choice effect because we have some sort of absurd sort of speech impediment. We say author choice effect because you should write author choice effect. And by that we mean Dorfman uses um, a naturalistic stage and set in order to allow the audience to empathise with the plight of Paulina. Exactly, yeah. Occasionally, I phrase it as writer technique intention. So, with effect, occasionally 
I find that my effect on reader. Talk about the effect on reader, which yeah. is no. This makes the reader excited or sad. In which case, the IB examiner would always say, "Which reader are you talking about?" Yeah. We're interested in context, and there's like thousands, millions of different yeah. types of reader out there. The effect is so, a theme, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, write any contention, author choice effect, but your topic sentences must be built around a deliberate choice made by that writer because of course none of these characters are real yeah. a choice made by that writer to achieve a particular end and symbolism's a good one right because well, symbolism, cause, yeah. cause then you can talk instead of talking about he uses um, uh, let's say uh, Evie Hammond in order to yeah. uh, symbolic characters that are yeah, exactly, that are yeah. you know so yeah. the symbol of Evie or the symbolic or the stock characters in, in yeah, Evie exactly. Vendetta yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so, so really, that choice or technique should be anything that sounds technical and anything that you get the impression the writer has gone out of their way to yeah. out of their way to do not something that's just happened as part of the storytelling yeah. process yeah. and I think you know I know that sometimes occasionally students will put an idea in there so it might be something like I don't know Moore and Lloyd use um, they use freedom in order to explore ideas of totalitarian government. Yeah. Freedom is not, not, it's not a choice. It's not part of the craft of the writer. No, it writers might... don't use freedom. No, exactly. You know, presumably no. they were free. Yeah. But, uh... so, it, so it must be something technical and yeah. it must be a, a, a deliberate choice. In V for Vendetta, for example, using those chapter headings to, yeah, to, brilliant. to frame brilliant. the structure yeah. of the narrative. Yeah. Um, and all of those different yeah. chapter headings beginning with V. Well, is it? Yeah. You yeah. know, build, the build through climax and crescendo and all these yeah. sorts of things that, that actually align with V's orchestrating of this whole yeah. anarchic movement. Very nice. And, yeah. um, but, I, but I think the same, I mean, like, you know, the, the idea of in a, in a View from the Bridge, we, he uses. Um, the Alfieri as a biased narrator mm. um, presenting to us the story, controlling time, presenting to us the, yeah. the story f- in order to perhaps eliminate his own guilt in the proceedings. Yeah. And clever stuff, yeah, you know. No, um, and, and, and I think if Frankenstein, have... the use of epistolary oh, yeah, brilliant stuff. to yeah, highlight yeah, exactly. the parallel characters of Frankenstein Walton, and Walter. And, Walter, yeah. um, and, and therefore to pass on a message... Uh, in you know very much in the style of the ancient mariner to pass on a yeah. message to the next generation you know whatever oh, it is that stuff but students should be going in with such a wide array of techniques ready to talk about whether they're motifs whether they're symbols whether they're symbolic characters whether it's set or um, stage design or whether it is simply something in the language, a particular type of imagery. Juxtaposition mm. is always going to be in there as well. Yeah. Um, or or I would say narrative structure. Yeah. Sonic throws Rakan, you get a you, you get a client. Yeah, yeah. Of, or, or narrative chronology. Yeah, or, or, exactly. depending on what. what yeah, you know where does that climax take place, and where is the resolution of that text, or that novel, or that or that play? Whereabouts does it happen? Is there a slow sort of rising action? That's something to talk about, and 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 I think a lot of things in literature, literature can be spoken about in terms of the craft of the writer, which is what well, the students have to focus on because it's part of this five marks available for it. Look, have to talk about this, it. this is why we, we have designed this because it is not intuitive to write analysis. You spend your whole time studying fictional texts yeah. and then we expect the good readers of fictional texts to write, write good essays. It's absurd. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. you have to be taught how to do it. This is why we've devised this author choice effect because... Five, you know, because actually, whatever point you're making about literature in life, literature and life, you're making it through the frame of the author, yeah. Uh, yeah. and and therefore through the frame of it being literature, because it's not real. So we look at it through and, the craft of the writer, and and, and and of course we have privy to the examiner's comments and the examiner's reports, and it is it's so common that the the examiner's report says students 
too often speak about these characters as if they're real people. Yeah. If you open an essay by saying, the moment when Stanley does this, no, no Stanley's uh, not real. Or, or, or plot as if it's real events, or yeah. themes as if, you know, it might as well be a history essay. And like, this is why we have, we, 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 don't, we, we don't get a sort of some kind of weird fetishist pleasure from telling <laughs> students to write author-choice effects. Well, I do, actually. But uh, we don't get pleasure from it. We get pleasure from... We have devised a structure that allows students to talk about literary features in the body of the essay as they're proving their point to speak about context yep. um, and to make sure each, each topic sentence builds upon the last, therefore to answer a question in a thorough way. Yeah. Um, this is this is this is why it's there, yeah. it, and, and and really, it's just good analytical writing. Full yeah. stop. And and do not Google. Oh, uh, how how can I write a paper two essay? Because you oh. won't get anything as good as that. My you, word. you will get some absolute drivel. You get some nonsense by people who are not English teachers, have nothing to do with IB courses, no. selling advertising to websites. No, to the, selling advertising for on their own website. Profiteering at, 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 at an open market without any regulations is yeah. outrageous. And we won't name names, but we do know. We know people, people who, who create these websites. And we know people that awful, do it. We know awful. people that run study centres. We know people yeah. that do it. Do not do it. Listen to this pod. Yeah. That is the only only stuff you need. Your emails now. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, Jamie, yeah. I, I got an email. Well, an email of sorts this 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 month, these past two months from um, Torben Kring. Mm. Who is who is good not, man, Mr. Kring? Good he's man. a good man. He's not one of the three Krings on the ISP register, but he is. Uh, he's another Kring, another Kring on, if you will. Um, and uh, Mr. Kring wrote to me. Torben wrote to me to say, uh, "Love your work." Uh, mm. I was listening to it on a plane to Copenhagen. See, no one's ever said that to me. Yeah, I, th- I think I might have made that up. Yeah. He said, <laughs> "Your work." I he said, I heard your work. I heard your work. Statement of fact. On the way to Copenhagen, and uh, and it was okay. Um, keep 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 on trucking. Keep on keeping on. Which was Danish for... Yeah, was that what he said? Did you, did you say keep on doing it, or did he actually say something complimentary? He said... No, he did. He said he enjoyed it. Um, he thought it was funny. Did he really? I, he, he noticeably didn't say that his daughter, Michelle, in grade 11, had listened to it. So yeah, I suspect okay. that means she hadn't. Which is disappointing. Why would you? Why, why would you? Why wouldn't you? Just to give or a bit of juxtaposition. Why, bit, <laughs> why would you? Um, I, I get very few emails. I get frustrated when I hear about people running up to you gushing about the pod because I get very little. I, I got uh, Lisa Trevis from my 2K class, uh, also in and your, my, in, in your uh, Langley class, yeah. saying when's pod episode five coming out? So, so yeah. she's obviously listened to the first four. So you do the math. Um... <laughs> That was about it. Um, can I include sort of comments? In no, I, I'd take anything at this point. I, don't, I haven't had many comments either. I'm sure somebody at some point in the last few weeks said, "Does the pod still exist?" Yeah, yeah. Which is the kind of question we've been asking ourselves since 1950. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and and the only thing I would say on top of this is, uh, yeah, look, we had a break. Um, it's very important in February to. Yeah. Take a break, recharge the batteries. Recharge the batteries. Recharge the batteries. I mean, it, it, it's an it, it's more than important. We're going to say something slightly different now. We're going to say stop recharging. Yeah. Start using the batteries. Yeah. Start getting yeah. those, those yeah. batteries going. Revision um, is really crucial now, and we we want to wish you the fondest, best of British uh, in that in that revision. And we're here in the form of a tedious argument. Yeah. 
and you in, can, other, in other forms because we actually exist as people as we well. exist as, as humans as well yeah. as voices on um, on mp3s well, as, well, as, well as, as well as digitized uh, <laughs> mem- digitized senior experiences, experiences. we yeah. are digi- we were a digitized experience and we're a real human experience <laughs> as is the artwork they're currently witnessing on the uh, oh it's good art it's, it's, good. it's fantastic it's great artwork it we really enjoyed the artwork, artwork of really enjoyed that. Melissa Kocak which is uh, Turkish for Melissa Kocak and uh, Sabine Johannesson, fantastic which is, which is Danish fantastic for artwork. Sabine, son of Johan. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, great stuff. So just keep keep tuned in. Yeah, you, you um yeah you 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 were chatting to Sabine earlier, I think. I was. Um, have I not already mentioned Sonny and Sabine? Um, no, I don't think so. Have I not? Okay, all right. Well, um. Well, that's another, I was going to include this in my uh, your emails now. Um, Sabine was very thankful for a revision pod. I assume Sabine's got a poor teacher. Yeah, <laughs> without well, <laughs> it's, it's 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 fairly obvious. Yes, yeah. uh, obviously Sabine's with uh, Mr. Allen. Um, very grateful of a revision pod to clarify. In fact, have we even clarified text and context? I hope we have, but I yeah we have. Yeah, okay. Apparently, apparently we have. And, uh, and and Sunny's work is is directly outside the office. And I asked Sunny if she could just shift her work around so I could look at it while grading papers. Um, is it beautiful? Great, it, great work. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Very, very colourful. Yeah, is yeah, beautiful su- stuff. Is that Sunny who you did a learning conference with uh, not so long ago? <laughs> no, that's that's a different Sunny. You're thinking of Sunny, my uh, Ivy Lit student. Sunny Chen. Sunny Chen from eleventh grade. So, just tell us about that learning conference. So that that learning conference was um, <laughs> at the time uh, it was in a co-taught class with myself and my co-teacher, and my co-teacher took it upon himself to uh, ask. Sonny and his parents, whether they'd ever heard the song, Sonny. Good song. It's a very good song, but they clearly hadn't. Uh, Sonny's name has not, was nothing to do with the song, but he then took it upon himself one step further to sing the song, Sonny, <laughs> to, uh, to Sonny and his parents. Just, how does it go? It goes something like, Sonny, yesterday my skies were filled with rain. That's right, baby. Sonny. Yesterday my life was filled with pain. Sunny, one so true. I love you. 